step inside into the world of Lady Teal's Curios. Good evening. In continuation of Women's History Month, we are featuring another brave woman who has experienced the unimaginable and, as a result, identifies as a multiple. Disassociative identity disorder is believed to affect 1.5% of the general population. Movies like Split, Fight Club, Psycho, and Sybil give us an extravagant idea of what it's like living as a multiple. But movies, as we know, are not always the most accurate. The earliest references of DID are thought to be from the 1600s. Even as our understanding of the mind has advanced over the course of centuries, there is still much about this disorder that we do not understand. Cat Taylor has 16 different system members and invites you, curious minds, to come take a peek inside her mind. Today we have on the lovely Kat Taylor. Kat, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I would love to. Uh, all right, so I guess to start, um, why I'm here is because I identify as multiple, meaning I have multiplicity. Um, and in some terms, or in some beliefs, it would be considered dissociative identity disorder, um, which is actually <laughs> uh, the up updated version <laughs> okay. of um, multiple personality disorder. Uh, that's actually been um, updated about 25 years ago. Uh, so it's... <laughs> um, it's related to, uh, the only thing is, is uh, being multiple or having this disorder um, isn't, um, it's not, I'm trying to think. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. My mind is kind of in a million and one places at once all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's not a personality disorder. Um, like they had originally believed it was. It's actually um, a dissociative disorder that is caused by trauma. And see, um, for me, I had experienced a very lengthy amount <laughs> of trauma as a child. And I, I'm able to kind of snicker at it myself simply because I've come to the conclusion now um, after years of therapy and self-work, um, that it's, it's really made me who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's made each of my system members or headmates, um, who they are as people as well. And that it kind of, it doesn't really need to explain, um, necessarily who we are, but it's a part of us. Um, I've always been a believer that uh, the things that really challenge you in life um, is what builds you into a better person. That is a very sound belief. I think I have experienced that myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, do, I do believe, especially if you're able to get to a point where you can look back, look at it and say, okay, I learned this from that experience. It sucked, but I learned something from it and it's made me into a more empathetic person or a more honest person or, you know, it, it gives you different aspects. And I, I've been through, oh, I can literally say Helen back. <laughs> Um, as a child, um, and then leading up into my adulthood, because when you're, when you've gone through so much trauma, um, and this is actually one of those misconceptions when people look at people who are, or average people will look at people who have multiplicity as possibly scary. Uh, it's one of the things that we kind of have to live with, unfortunately. And a lot of that has to do with media and the fact that there isn't a lot of education out there um, and awareness. Um, so people look at us like we're scary and we're, we could be murderers because of movies like Split. And uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so and then, of course, there's the comedies like United States of Tara that really kind of throw everyone off on what to expect um, from people who are multiple. And because of that, um, we have that stigma that we're possibly scary individuals and that will end up murdering you in your sleep. And it's just, it's just not true. Statistically speaking, because it's a trauma disorder or DID at least is based out of a trauma disorder, we're 10 times more likely to go through even more trauma <laughs> mm -hmm. than to act out in violent ways ourselves. A grand majority of multiples are actually more, if they have any violent tendencies or um, anger outbursts, it's more so towards themselves in frustration um, and to their own body than it's going to be to anyone else. That sounds very tough. And I don't, I can't even imagine. I, I've read stories about you know, not your experience, but other people's experiences who have multiplicity and have it because of trauma. Um, and then I've read other stories where people don't relate it to trauma yeah. at all. They just say they have multiplicity. So yes. I um, was a little curious, like for you, when did you realize that you had this going on? Uh, well, I've always kind of known. Um, I just didn't really have a label for it. Uh, I, I remember the first time I met um, one of my headmates um, or system members, her name is Mortess. Um, she came to me during during trauma. Um, it was really weird experience for me. Um, some of my my traumas um, are neglect, abuse, physical abuse, um, sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse. Uh, one of the biggest things in my life was the spiritual abuse from my grandmother. I love her dearly, don't get me wrong, um, but my grandmother had a very twisted and toxic version of what Catholicism is supposed to be. 
Um, and for some reason, she felt the need to make me believe that I was a sin, not just a sinner like everyone else <laughs> mm-hmm. who could be redeemed, um, but rather the sin itself. And you really, it, when you're in um, a Christian belief system, you really look at it, um, you know, and understanding what a sin is in their eyes and their definition, you don't come back from that. <laughs> you can't be redeemed being a sin itself. It's like being a demon. Um, so that, that was something that I was constantly told as a very small child was that I was the sin itself because my mom was the sinner. I was the sin. Um, and it's really hard to grow up in that kind of an aspect. But my first time I really got to meet, um, I'm sorry, I kind of do this where I go roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> but the first time I really got to meet one of my my headmates, uh, system member is Mortess, was um, I was about eight years old. At that time, um, my stepfather, uh, he was not very good with kids. <laughs> to say the least, um, putting it nicely. And while my mom was working, uh, she worked a lot uh, to try and keep food on the table and everything. Um, he would actually lock me away in the basement. Oh my gosh. Yes. During, during the day when my mom was not home, instead of trying to, you know, work with having a kid in the home, um, he would just lock me in the basement. And there was a moment in time that I remember it was so dark. Um, It was probably after seven or eight o'clock at night and it was winter. So it was cold outside and made the basement even more cold because it wasn't a a finished basement. It was all stone and uh, mortar. And I was tucked away in a corner um, because I was very afraid of the whole situation. I was tucked away in a corner and out of the corner of my eye, there is this old cistern that was kind of broken down. And a cistern, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain what a cistern is. (laughs) It it basically, um, it was a brick area bricked out area um, Mm -hmm. that they used to hold water in before houses had um, actual plumbing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the cistern was kind of broken down a little bit. So there was like this crack in it. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see someone standing there. And she looked to be about the same age as me. Um, But she had these dark, dark eyes. And I couldn't quite comprehend what I was seeing. And then she spoke to me and she told me that she was there to keep me safe. And it was, it's not your typical meeting. Um, most, I'd have to say most people with that are multiple don't meet face to face on the outside world. It could possibly be that I was um, daydreaming and projecting her because dissociation itself in its purest of forms is daydreaming. Um, but being able to see Mortess just stand there and 
face me. And she said, I'm, I'm here to protect you. I'm here to, to stay with you and to keep you as safe as I can. It was kind of calming, but at the same time, a little spooky because she had really dark eyes and she, she told me that she was a demon. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at first you're eight years old and you're tucked away in a dingy old basement, scared, cold, alone. And you have this little girl <laughs> that says, hi, I'm a demon. I'm here to, you know, keep you safe. You don't really know how to react. I didn't. I had no idea. And I didn't tell anyone for years. I never said anything about her. Um, I kept her quiet and to myself. And then um, about, I want to say about five, six years ago, um, I researched, because <laughs> I've been obsessed with psychology um, for most of my, my life. Um, so I researched what uh, multiple personality disorder was, and I found out about you know that being an old name, <laughs> and that it's actually dissociative identity disorder. And then I kept researching and and learning more about it, and I realized that all of these people that I have met in my life in my head that talk to me and say things to me to keep me going or to criticize me. Some, some of them weren't the nicest. <laughs> um, but these voices that I would hear all the time, it was normal. It was actually more normal than I thought it was. And it kind of just blew me away. So I, I had to do more research. I got myself into a therapist who understood what DID was and was diagnosed. I, it took quite some time, but we were able to diagnose me, um, with DID. And that's when it kind of broke the dam, <laughs> so to speak. Right. Um, and all of them slowly came to me in my subconscious mind or in my conscious mind. And we were able to get to know each other. Um, it was a very wild experience getting to know some of them that have been tucked away for so long there just to you know take over for certain things that's amazing i <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny when i read about things like this or listening to your story i'm I'm sitting here trying to picture what it would be like in my head <laughs> and my head just doesn't do that. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's, I, I wish I could almost step in your shoes to see what it's like, but um, I, I can imagine just meeting, how many multiples do you have, first of all? Uh, I am one of 16. I, there's some systems that have um, what they call an original. I don't, I don't quite fit. <laughs> None of us really do. Um, so I can't really say that I'm the original. I am the host though. I'm, I'm the one that drives the most basically. Okay. Um, so I'm one of 16. <laughs> we have quite a few. <laughs> so when you said that you kind of all got together and you were meeting everybody in your subconscious, was it all 16 or did they all just kind of 
filter in a little bit at a time? Um, well, I, I knew about Mortess. I've known Mortess since I was a child. Um, and I've gotten to know a couple of them without realizing it over the years. Um, and then at first, like, Mortess brought in the ones that I had already met. So I got to know them again. And then she would bring in a couple more. And at first it was only nine. <laughs> when I first really sat down and got to know them, there was only nine of us all together. And it, it, was, it was interesting to get to know who they were. But then as time went on and I was going through therapy and working on what memories I could um, I could actually access and remember uh, from my traumas. Some traumas would start trickling in that I didn't realize happened. <laughs> so as they came in, so did my mind. And it was kind of wild to sit there and realize, oh my God, I went through that and you were there holding this. Um, to be able to meet them like that was, it was, uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was, it was just fantastic to know that there was someone there with me through it all. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So over how many year you said you realized when you were eight that's when you met the first one right yes so how many years has it been now um well i'm gonna be 31 okay. <laughs> <laughs> um and the diagnosis happened about six about five or six years ago um i i'd say a good 10 years is for sure how long I've gotten to really start to know everyone again um but my my earliest trauma was when I was four um so it was it was around then when things I what I believe happened is when they started um when they started taking over for the body to hold the trauma. Gotcha. It's just, I, I'm trying to process it because first of all, it's horrible to think about somebody going through that kind of trauma, but then it's amazing what the body and the mind can do. Like the body can withstand the trauma but the mind has to disassociate from it for a lot of people and people handle that very differently. And, and it's fascinating what the mind <laughs> is capable of, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh yes. It's, it is very fascinating, especially the fact that, you know, we haven't fully been able to explore what the mind is capable of where, and our minds were, we're only using 10%. So you, you, the fact that there's so much more that can be 
can be done. It just, it really boggles the mind, honestly. <laughs> yes. Well, I know a lot of people uh, watch movies like Split, like you were saying, and I think one of the biggest stigmas, and feel free to dispel this, um, is that a lot of multiples or people who have multiplicity cannot control who comes up or who is in control at the time. Is that true or does it vary per person? Um, I, I believe it, it varies. It, um, for a lot of people, it, I think it varies. Um, for me personally, I'm, I'm the host, um, with my system. I do the most. <laughs> the hostess I'm, with the mostest. <laughs> the mostest. I'm the one that that's out the most. I take care of of our everyday life um and we also have because there's there's different um there's different kinds of headmates um some have jobs some don't um but for me i have one that is known as a gatekeeper um and his name is dom <laughs> he is one of the few males in my system um, and Dom is a gatekeeper. What he does is he assesses the outside situation. Um, say I'm out and about and someone just starts screaming at me. He is almost always co-conscious with me. Um, so he will pay attention to the outside situation and assess whether it's something I can handle or if it's something that someone else in the system would handle better. Um, I think a great uh, example would be uh, several years back, I didn't even know that this was going on. Um, several years back, I was out with my friends um, at a club and we were all having fun and then these two guys start getting into a fight now one of them was with our little entourage <laughs> <laughs> so it was very inconvenient because if they get kicked out then we have to leave because they're our ride right mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> apparently um one of my other system members felt that she was more readily available to handle this situation and de-escalate it uh, instead of letting the bouncers and bar staff take care of it so that we didn't have to leave. <laughs> wow. Um, so I'm 5'2". I'm <laughs> my body is... <laughs> five two and at the time I was about 125 to 30 pounds I was very small <laughs> I was in a little mini skirt and stiletto heels and this system member her name is Callie she the best way I can describe her is a biker bitch with a personal vendetta <laughs> <laughs> she's very take charge alpha female um, and she decided that she was going to handle the situation and took both guys, mind you, they're both six foot or more, took both guys by the backs of their necks, dragged them out of the bar, slammed them against the wall and said, listen here, 
this is how the night is going to go. You're either going to behave or I'm going to kick you both to the curb. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Can you really imagine a little five, two stilettos <laughs> <laughs> in mini skirt taking charge like that? I, it, it, and it was so weird for me because when they take over the body, I get, it feels like I get thrown into the back seat. So I'm watching from afar. <laughs> like I'm not even up close and personal in all of this. My memory, the memory that I can see of it is me further away from the whole thing that's happening. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost like watching myself do this, but it's not me. I'm not the one who is doing these, th these actions. It's not my hands that are doing this. It's not my choices. <laughs> it's not what I would choose. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like she's a good person to have around. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Very take charge. And she, she makes sure that everyone behaves. <laughs> Well, do you mind telling us a little bit about some of um, your other system members? Of course. Um, so as I said, I had more tests. More tests is um, she introduced herself as a demon, but now because of a lot of the self-work that we've all done, she has now upgraded herself to being a fallen angel. <laughs> She's not going to call quite angel because, you know, she likes black. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we at all? <laughs> um, and she's she's the type of person that doesn't care what people think. That she really doesn't let anyone else's opinions have any sort of weight on her. Is amazing to me. <laughs> it's taken me a very long time to get to that point myself. So she's been my inspiration there where it's, you don't have to worry about what other people think because everyone has an opinion and it doesn't mean that I have to carry that opinion myself. Um, and then there is Dame. Dame is also a protector, but she's, she identifies as a vampire. Um, and she's very regal. She's, in a way, she not really demands, but expects respect and will give it in return. Um, and she's very, kind of like a high class. <laughs> I guess that's the best way I can put it, it is, you know, she's a very regal um uh, back straight, you know, shoulders. Have you seen Penny Dreadful before with, um, what's her name? Eva, was it Eva Green or something? I, I'm picturing this lady in Victorian dress <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with, her, with her hair beautifully done and very gothic but regal looking that's what I'm picturing right now that is that is very much uh dame dame de la Moore. um she is that very regal vampires um and then her significant other in my system is dom um dominus inferni 
is actually his full name. And he's more so like an abstract. Um, I used to call him Dream because he used to just show up in my dreams when I was going through something scary <laughs> in my dream. And he would show up and change the scenery so that I didn't keep going through that. Um, it, it was very helpful. <laughs> 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 Very helpful because you know nightmares they're just they're awful. <laughs> um, let's see. And then there's Callie, Callie Ruin. She is um she identifies as a wolf. Um, which is very interesting having a wolf and a vampire in the same <laughs> household. I, I was just other. about to say that. I was like, <laughs> is that a thing? Do wolves hang out with vampires? <laughs> uh, these two, they do. They they do. Um, Callie has a temper. She she actually holds most of the anger <laughs> um, from our past. So she has a temper, but she's she's very protective. Um, she takes care of situations that she feels she's able to handle um, to try and make sure that people behave and they stay in line because she's very alpha <laughs> and she's more Native American looking. Um, so she has the long black hair and she loves leather. So she's always in <laughs> biker attire. So um, that's, that's Callie. Um, let's see. <laughs> I know it's, the, it, it sounds like they're all people I'd love to hang out with. <laughs> oh, they, they're all amazing. I, I love every one of them. They're, um, ooh. uh, so then there is, now these two are very interesting, um, because they both came to me as what, we call persecutors. Um, so they actually came um, cussing me out, basically. <laughs> Telling me how horrible of a person I was and how I can't handle this system. And like, th they were very angry. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with how much they have held and they have done to protect the body overall. Um, so it was they're they're a lot more chill now <laughs> they're not angry at me anymore we we are all on the same page now um but the first one is gabriel gabriel is a another male in my system he, he identifies as an angel um he has a very oh god the best way i can explain him is actually from the show supernatural um, and the first, you know, the first kind of way that Castiel was in the series where okay. he's very ignorant of humanity and how humans do things. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so that's, that's Gabriel. He's, he's very ignorant to, you know, the realities of humans and, um, that that's why he kind of just came in like, are you serious? Why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Well, it would if you were human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and then there's Ari or Arizona. Ari is the phoenix. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain her. She's the phoenix. She is 
beautiful, fierce, fiery um, redhead who doesn't care what anyone thinks about her. She is very confident. Um, she is, she has, um, very strong boundaries and she will tell you how things are going to be. <laughs> she's, she's a leader and that's, you know, that's the kind of person she is. She, she will lead people to do better for themselves because she believes that they can do better, but she's also no bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> she will not sugarcoat anything. <laughs> she's absolutely fantastic. When she first came to me, she was very disappointed to push me around and tell me how to live my life. And she just kind of jumped in and said, guess what? We're going to do things my way now. And you're going to see what it's like when you demand the respect that you deserve. It was a, a big eye opener. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> uh, then we have Opal. Oh, that's um, a pretty name. Opal is the oldest. She is the wisest. She understands more about people, the world, um, she's our go-to when we're struggling and trying to deal with something that we just, we, we're not comprehend. Um, so we'll go to Opal and she will kind of counsel us. Um, she's absolutely an amazing, she's one of my, I, I don't typically play favorites, but I really, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Opal is, is a favorite of mine because she's, She's so wise and and understanding of you can when you know you've done something wrong, but you can go to her and say, "I don't know how to fix it," and she just fills your entire aura with love and understanding. It's she is amazing. <laughs> I love Aww. her. Um, she sounds beautiful. Oh, uh, she she's very beautiful. Um, and there's Delaria. She is, uh, an adventurer. She is the pirate. Um, she likes to have fun and she's very carefree, spirited, um, just fantastic to be around. I, I, I consider her my twin because she's, we're a lot alike, but in the complete opposite way. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that made sense at all, but <laughs> I know some t actual twins are that way where they're, they look alike, but they're the complete opposite people. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, I'm, I'm, there's so many of us, so I have to Well, you don't have to, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're fine. You don't have to go through them all if you don't want okay. to. <laughs> it gives yeah, well, us, it gives us an idea of kind of what you're going on what's going on in your <laughs> mind and all that oh yeah and those those are the main ones that really you know speak up and do things or uh, and then there's trish trisha is a 18 year old mermaid <laughs> who is oh. very innocent um she doesn't fully understand the world around us um, but she does her best, but she also has OCD, 
<laughs> so when I'm cleaning and she sees something that needs to be cleaned properly, then I might get stuck cleaning the same spot for a half hour. <laughs> oh, it, it, gets, it gets a little hectic sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, she's, she, she feels things need to be in almost perfect condition. And I think a lot of that had to do with um, some of my upbringing and uh, things that I, that I went through. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I want to go through all of them, but at the same time, I feel like that's, it's just going to take so long. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally okay. Hey, Curious Minds. If you're like me, you probably love podcasts, history, and stories about the paranormal. One of my favorite podcasts is Homespun Haints. Check out their promo here and give them a listen. Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experienced them. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face to face with ghosts, demons, paints and other strange paranormal phenomena all of it makes for a chilling good time so grab yourself a sweet tea turn off the lights and listen to some eerie true ghost stories on homespun hates i'm not scared are you and now back to the show why don't we um delve into a little bit i'm sure it was difficult acclimating to having multiples so what was it like growing up for you um I really didn't notice you know when we switched growing up um and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was going through almost constant some sort of trauma um so I wasn't always aware of what was going on. I wasn't always aware of when they would take over as a child. Um, I am still regaining my memory, my memories from childhood myself. Um, for me, what I can remember, um, my earliest trauma was my grandmother trying to drown me twice. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, like I said, she had a very twisted <laughs> belief system. She, um, she believed that she could baptize me um, and that it would make all the sin go away. Um, I, I recall being held under and I didn't actually have access to this memory until about two and a half years ago. Um, but I, I can recall now being held under both times and I can recall holding my breath, it went dark. And then I can recall coming to in my grandfather's arms. So my grandfather came and saved me both times. Um, but it was never something that was reported because, I mean, obviously, <laughs> as um, my family was 
growing up, my family was always under the impression that you cannot talk about the bad things that happen in your life um, because what would other people think? What would the church think? That was my grandma's biggest thing. What would, what would the church think? What would the congregation think if they knew what you have been through? I can very much relate to that. Um, I did not have a experience like that, but I grew up in a very conservative, I would consider it a cult, um, but that's the way that a lot of conservative old Christian religions are, and they just beat that kind of nonsense down the congregation's throat. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, my grandmother, she, she's done a lot of, she had done a lot of things that should never have been done to people. Um, between me and my mother, my mother was also abused, um, from my family. Um, between us two, we could probably fill three books, <laughs> which is what my grandmother had done. It, it's a sad fact, but my grandmother was also very twisted in her childhood. She was put into an orphanage and taken from her family, uh, taken from her mother after her father had been killed and had to go through horrible, twisted um, foster families. So I'm able to understand and forgive um, it absolutely is no excuse. There is no excuse for abuse um, at all. But I do understand how she became so twisted. Um, and I do still love her no matter what. She's still my grandmother. She still was my grandmother. She passed away. Um, actually, I believe her passing date uh, anniversary just came up last week. Um, but she had passed away about three years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm still, I, I had a lot going on the last couple of years, so I'm still trying to remember my own timeline in life. <laughs> um, and so with my grandmother, it was a lot of the, that abuse, uh, spiritual abuse, and then, um, the, the two drownings. Um, but it was my stepfather that was probably the worst, um, at least that I can fully recall. Uh, he was physically abusive and emotionally, um, mentally abusive. And his abuse came when my mom was not around. My mom worked um, several jobs and was gone a lot for work so that she could take care of us. Um, but my stepfather was a very mean person. He, he grew up in an abusive home where he was beat, um, and that was normal. So in his mind, it was okay to continue that cycle. Um, that's, that's horrible. That, <laughs> it's, it's something that way more people go through than I think we realize. And it's something that should not be 
happening as often as it is happening, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's true. And it, a lot of that has to do with the different generations and the generation gap too, because um, his generation, uh, he was, you know, he, he was actually, I think he was 30 years older than me. Um, in his generation, they grew up, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Mm -hmm. um, and children are to be seen, not heard. Um, and, and there wasn't much of a gap between his generation and the next couple of generations after that. Um, it just slowly started dissipating. Um, but it's still, even today, my, even my own generation, I see they're still carrying some of that, those twisted beliefs that it's okay to hit. Um, and I, I refuse to do any sort of physical punishment with my children because I truly, honestly believe that if you hit your child for doing something wrong, it will instill in them the belief that it is acceptable to be hit if someone else believes that you've done wrong. Hmm. And that perpetuates domestic violence. I've been through enough of it in my life that I, I'm not going to set my children up for that either. <laughs> um, do you do you have children yet? Yes, I do. I have um, two little girls, and I have my first boy on the way. <laughs> Aw, congrats! <laughs> so, when you were going through all of this, this is. This is like one of the things that you were mentioning before is when you started noticing all of the multiples coming up and as you got older and you started to recognize what was going on, um, that you had multiplicity and you learned how to deal with it better. Did you ever come across, like, did it ever impact your life in a way where people were making fun of you for it or they didn't quite understand like what you were dealing with did you ever have any challenges like that oh yes yes I I've had um I I can't say I've had as many as I've heard um in the community um but I've I had there was a woman who sent my mother an email stating that I needed to be locked away and my kids needed to be taken she had never met me she doesn't know who I am. This woman has never met me. She doesn't know who I am. She doesn't know who we are. She's never seen, interacted with me and my children. She's no idea. But she heard through the grapevine that I have DID, that I'm a multiple. And she felt the need to email my mother and tell her that I need to be locked away because I am a danger to society and to my children. Um, my, my children are, I don't like to really toot my own horn, but I truly believe that my children are amazing individuals. My oldest is 11 and she is a part of um, different groups in her school, clubs in her school that promote being different, being unique, and she's constantly telling people and trying to build people up. She's 
a very empowering person herself and she's only 11. She's been doing this for years. <laughs> that's, that's awesome that there are groups like that. There were, when I was in high school, there were definitely no groups like that. <laughs> you know, there was, there was nothing. Um, my, my daughter, she, she is, she pushes, um, you know, being unique, being an individual, and she herself is very much an individual and doesn't care what anyone thinks about it. Um, and my my youngest, she's a protective person. She likes to protect her friends and make sure that they um, don't feel bad when if someone says something about them. You know, she will comfort them. Um, so, you know, my girls, I feel like. I must have done something right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely, and they're definitely both, sounds like it. <laughs> and they're both very highly intense. Um, my my oldest is constantly being um, told that she's so worldly, and it, she she knows big words because she pays attention to everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I've done something right, apparently. Yeah. They're amazing people. And I, my multiplicity has not affected them. It's not something they have to deal with. Um, so far, we haven't, because I'm not in the public about it, um, there has not been any issues with being associated with me having it, um, mm -hmm. which I thank God because, you know, some situations can get really dark really quick. So, mm -hmm. um, but for me, I really haven't experienced a whole lot. I've had people that kind of look at me like, are you sure I can trust being around you? And I've had a lot of strange questions. <laughs> but for the most part, I don't really experience a lot. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that my switches, when we do switch, it's not that noticeable. And that's actually the average. There's maybe 6% of multiples that it's obvious when they switch. So, like, in the movie Split, it's not that obvious. <laughs> um, that's pretty rare, actually. Um, I, I think sometimes uh, with more tests, specifically, it's obvious. Um, but that's because she's a, she herself has explored her own individuality on her own and is comfortable being herself instead of being pretending to be me. <laughs> and that's really what, you know, the mul multiplicity is when it's created through trauma is a concealment, um, a, a survival mechanism um, where we conceal that we're multiple so that we can keep surviving <laughs> so that we can get through all of this and hopefully someday not have to deal with it anymore um, but then of course you know, we're left with all of each other but <laughs> 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 once we're an adult and we're like okay how do I navigate adulthood with so many other people in my head <laughs> 
<laughs> you just right. kind of sit there and you look around like, what do I do next? Like, you, you don't get taught this <laughs> in school because it's not widely known. It's not even something that some um, psych grad students even learn about. So, you know, the fact that the, the people that are supposed to be there to help <laughs> don't fully understand it, there's an issue. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've been able to take situations in your past and deal with them in ways that other people would definitely not be able to and, and make a culmination of all of these events through your life and help other people because you were telling me about how you um, help with a women's empowerment group. And then I would love to learn more. I think, um, what is the Meraki, Meraki tribe? tribe. Is that <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell me a bit about that. A Meraki tribe is um, a company that me and my sister had built um, to uh, at first it was just supposed to be like a modeling group uh, where we can get people together who are interested in modeling um, and really boost each other's um, boost each other's competence with some really pretty photos and fun photo shoots and stuff and then it just kind of snowballed <laughs> into a magazine that we publish monthly um, where uh, you get to see different um, artists come together and create. Um, and then we have our movement that we're working on building, which is supposed to be a confidence boosting, but it's also, um, it's also awareness. A lot of things that, that we try to focus on is being able to come back from major trauma and major things that have happened in your life like domestic abuse and childhood trauma it's for both of us it's something that we're very very passionate about because we've both been through so much in our lives um for me i i try to help people break down some of the beliefs that they're conditioned to believe about themselves because of trauma. I know um, some of the mental abuse that I went through, I, like I said, with my grandmother, um, she would call me the sin. And that's, it, as a child, that's so hard to bear. And, and when you bring that into your adulthood, you believe everything is your fault. Anything that your fault because you're the sin, because you're the wrong, you're, you're wrong. You're not supposed to be here. So it's, it's very hard to be able to navigate normal issues, everyday issues with that nagging thought process and belief in the back of your mind. I had to go through um, a lot of self-work with that myself and be able to break down um, my definition of a sin. For me, my renewed definition of sin is going against yourself, what you believe is authentic to you. So say, I'm, well, okay, I can't even say it. <laughs> it has just made it. I, I'm multiple. 
And I'm open about being multiple because if I were to be quiet about it and not be who I am or who we are openly, that would be my sin. It would be a regret that I would hold. And I don't want regret. <laughs> I don't want to live in regret. I want to be able to be authentic and be myself and not worry about the world around me and what it thinks of me. Because when you hold that belief that you have to be what everyone else wants you to be, you don't get to be you and you're miserable. And it's not a life to live. That is so well put. It's one of the reasons I started this podcast was because for most of my life, I was told to be <laughs> something that I was not. And I felt people needed a platform where they could be their most authentic self. So it is amazing to hear <laughs> other people who are doing the same thing out there. <laughs> It is so it it just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside knowing there's people who who are being authentic with themselves and also helping empower other people yes to be authentic yes i i love i love seeing that too I, that's one of my favorite things is running into people do that themselves because it's Oh, where I where I grew up, it's it was unheard of being yourself. <laughs> Be yourself. So when I get to see other people, and that's one of my favorite things about um, Meraki Tribe and our photo shoots is when I get to see all of these creative people come together and come up with just whatever's in their mind and make it a reality. It's the most beautiful transformation I, I get to see. And it's not always just pretty dresses and glamour makeup. Sometimes we do really goofy off the wall things too. And it's, it's amazing to be able to see that, see other people bring in a piece of themselves. Meraki itself, the word Meraki is Greek. And it means to do something with so much love that you leave a piece of yourself in all that you do. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's why we named it Meraki Tribe, because that's what we want. We want to be able to see that authenticity shine through in everyone that we work with, um, that we get to know, and to leave a piece of themselves behind, because really, without having as a piece of you, you could almost be completely forgotten in history with how many people are out there. So to be able to do something where you leave a piece of yourself behind, you'll always be remembered in some way, shape, or form. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great way to end, I think. Um, do you do you want to share like a social media with the audience for either Meraki tribe or yourself or a website or something where people can check it out? Oh yeah. Um, well, Meraki tribe is, uh, I have a Facebook page. It's Meraki tribe. Um, and then we have our website, which is Meraki tribe at life dot, or dot life. Rocky tribe dot life. Um, 
and <laughs> that uh, will direct you to everything about us <laughs> and what we're doing um, and some of our magazines as well. Um, uh, another thing I, I would like to share a little bit um, is, you know, there isn't enough support out there for people who are multiple, who are actually struggling, um, that are still getting the diagnosis or still learning how to be co-conscious like me and my system. Um, so a great place that if you want to support and help uh, to go to is the pluralassociation.org. It is um, a um, nonprofit organization that is by plurals for plurals. It is, it is built by other people who are multiple uh, or plural, um, coming together to spread awareness. Um, and they also ha are building a warm line. So it's kind of like a hotline that can call in and say, I just witnessed someone new in my system and I don't know what's going on, <laughs> you know, and they can <laughs> talk to someone else who is a multiple, who is, who has been through that process already and keep them calm and help them through that. It's absolutely beautiful cause. I feel like um, more people need to really know about it and understand it. Um, they are raising funds right now to build that warm line. Um, but the website itself has a plethora of information um, about multiplicity and plurality um, for other people to understand it better so that you're not hurting other people that might be that might have it that aren't open about it. That's fantastic. I definitely think there needs to be more research resources out there as I was doing research before this there was hardly anything <laughs> so oh, I know. <laughs> it's, it, it's um I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your experience educating us a lot <laughs> and, <laughs> and then also sharing a resource that sounds like it's gonna I'm gonna check it out after um we end our chat because that sounds like there's, like you said, a wealth of information. So if anybody does need help, be sure to check that out. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kat. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and sharing your story. I know that was tough. <laughs> thank you.